This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athlete, and it's like a rub-on, and you have lotions and ointments, so it's usually used on top of your skin, so you don't ingest anything, you don't smoke anything, and it has less than 1% THC, so you don't have to worry about getting high. It does wonders. They've sent me care packages. I use it on a daily because I'm a blue-collar worker, so I have a few back aches and leg aches, and it works fantastic. So if you want to listen to me, go grab some today. And if you're into nerd culture and you like to collect stuff online, go to firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company I love to support out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to wrestling figures to signed memorabilia. And they update daily. So every day you go on there, you'll see something different. And plus, to all you American listeners, it's in Canadian funds. So you'll get it at a little bit cheaper rate. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my Tee Public store or scroll down on your device. It's embedded right there in today's description. Click on the link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from T-shirts to hoodies to onesies to pillowcases to mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, whatever you need or want. I literally have it there. But if you don't want to support me monetarily, please, the most important thing anyone could do each and every week, I keep saying this, screw everything else, rate, subscribe, review. It's free, takes you two seconds on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest has wrestled all over the world for such promotions as Smash, Evolve, CCW, PWG, WXW, DDT, OTT, Progress, Rev Pro, AAA, and Ring of Honor, just to name a few. So pretty much everywhere. Professional wrestler, Speedball, Mike Bailey. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Okay, what I want to know first, is it Speedball Mike Bailey or is it Mike Speedball Bailey? What do you What do you prefer? So it's usually Speedball Mike Bailey. Okay. Um, but I honestly don't know why, like, I don't feel like there's a real rationale behind whether the nickname should be in the middle or in front. Okay. 
Yeah, because I, cause I always like, wondered that. Because I, I noticed some promotions put the speedball in front and some put it in the middle, right? So I guess you just I know. don't care? I'm, well, usually it's before. More okay. often than not, it's before. Right. But I like it's standard sometimes. I don't know. I don't understand why Like I'm a big UFC fan and for some reason they always put it in the middle. Right, and yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. I know. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's, it's so true. It's true. Like when you watch UFC, it's always something in the middle, right? Unless... Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No... Okay, I'm trying to think. No, it's Iceman Chuck Liddell. It's not Chuck Iceman Liddell. So there's one. But when they would announce him, they would right. go Chuck the Iceman Liddell. Oh, would they? Oh. Which is weird, right? I, I, yeah, see? It doesn't Iceman. roll. It doesn't roll properly. <laughs> right? Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so what's your earliest memories of wrestling? When did you fall in love with wrestling? Yeah, um, just skipping through the TV channels with my brother. When I was probably seven and he was nine, okay. and we saw Kane oh. trying to set the brood on fire, <laughs> and we were just instantly sold. We were like, "This is it. This is what we're going to do with our lives from now on." Right. And like immediately, we just said, "This is great." Like we started watching it. We took the mattresses down from our beds and started right. giving each other suplexes on them. So almost it, right away, is your brother a professional wrestler as well? Did did he try and dip his feet in it or no? Yeah, he did for a little. Bit. Oh, okay. He's since retired from professional wrestling in order to pursue a real job, but he was pretty successful at it in Canada. Oh, that's cool. So, okay, I always ask, there's no point of asking where, where you trained and all that, because if anyone wants to know, they could just Google it, right? But when you first started training, what was the one thing that surprised you most about wrestling that you didn't know that was in the sport? Um, well, so here's the thing, I like... I had a very gradual training. Like I said, me and my brother were wrestling and like it started very slowly. And when he was 16 and he was allowed to go to pro wrestling school, I was still 14 and too young. So what he did right. is he just like showed me what he learned at the wrestling school back at our Taekwondo school where we oh, trained together. Okay. And I kind of had like a gradual incline into it. But like eventually, and it probably wasn't when I started, but probably even a few years after when I realized how actually like complex building a wrestling match and the whole story of it needed to be in order for it to be as good as it can. But that mm -hmm. came a bit later in my career. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you're still fairly young. And look, I've mentioned all kinds of promotions that you've been in. And obviously, because of now what's going on, you're you're not really performing as much as you'd want to, or or at all, right? In some cases, some wrestlers have have no bookings, right? So, what no, have yeah. you been doing in the meantime to keep busy? What, what has been keeping you sane, so to speak? Well, um, training. Okay. <laughs> A lot. So, gyms just opened up, so now I'm allowed right. to go to the gym. Okay. Um, I'd been doing home workouts religiously and like a good hour workout and a good hour of stretching and then. Um, I was able to, since my brother still lives in the same household as me, we were allowed to go and train together, so we've been Perfect. doing that. Okay. And now gyms have reopened. I've been teaching at the IDBS Wrestling School in nice. Montreal, so that's been very helpful. Um, I, My girlfriend, Veda Scott, who is also a wrestler, lives mm -hmm. in America, so unfortunately we're not able to be together right now. Oh, and that we have sucks. For the past several months. Right. But we do spend an awful lot of time talking over Skype and just spending time together that way. You know what? Thank God for technology. Imagine if this happened, well, you, you weren't alive back then, but in my era, if this happened when I was a kid, like in the 80s or the early 90s, oh my God, we would be all shooting each other on the streets by now. 
Um, I'm sure, but also like that's a thing that's very much relevant for like when I wrestle in Japan and stuff. Okay. And I so uh, I was in Japan at the same time as Colt Cabana when we were both wrestling for DDT, nice. and he's been going to Japan for I think 15 years now. Okay. Like his first trip to Japan was 15 years ago. Wow. Now when I'm in Japan and my girlfriend's back home, we still spend several hours a day on the phone. Sure. We're always texting, and there's no problem. Uh, he was telling me how back in the day he used to have to go to an internet cafe wow. in Japan and email back and forth with his family members because right. he couldn't talk on the phone. It's true. You have access to the internet in your in the dojo. And, wow! Right, the world has changed. It's so it's, well, like they say, it's made the world a lot smaller, so to speak. Right? Yes, absolutely. That's crazy. And uh, another thing I want to know, like you've touched on it, you do Taekwondo, and I want to get, that's a whole different subject that I want to get into, because I'm myself a huge UFC fan as well, too, and I want to get your mind on a few things, but you wrestle, well, sort of barefoot, because you still have the shin guard on, so you still have the top of your foot covered, but you wrestle without a boot. When you first started, you wrestled with boots, correct? For a little while, yeah. So what was the, why did you want to do the switchover? Or was it more because of your gimmick being the, the black belt taekwondo master and all that and it fit in perfectly? Was that it? It's not that much of a gimmick thing. Okay. I think everyone who does martial arts or has come from a like a different sport. I, I get this from a lot of MMA guys who then transition to pro wrestling, okay. which is the exact same thing that happened to me. And you go to a pro wrestling school. You get trained like a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. and you start out doing pro wrestling. And then after a while, you realize, man, I am much better at martial arts than I am at pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. then you sort of dial it back and go, oh, this just feels a lot better, and why not do this? Which is, for me, I had trained my whole life ever since I was like 11 years old, oh, wow. barefoot, running oh, and jumping and okay. kicking and doing everything. So, of course, I'm a lot more comfortable this way. Mm-hmm. When I started wrestling, I was like, hmm, pro wrestlers wear boots? Gotta wear boots. Right. Without really questioning it. So then when the boots came off, it just made sense and made me feel a lot more comfortable. Has anyone ever pressured you to put the boot on because of the so-called injuries to your ankles and all that stuff? Not really. Um, because, I mean, it would make sense to tell me to put on boots if I had issues with wrestling barefoot. But That's I don't. True. I feel incredibly more comfortable. And, like, I mean, everyone else does. I mean, um, especially for the kicks, if you do have shoes on, true. what I don't want to do is kick people in the bicep with the point of my of my, of my shoe when I'm trying to kick them across the chest. Right, right. So... No, that totally makes sense. And that leads perfect into what I want to talk about next is, is your moveset. Because you have a unique moveset of high flyer, like almost a hybrid of high flyer and striker, which you really don't see nowadays. It's either you're a total high flyer, you're either a brawler, you're either a pure wrestler, but you've infused, you've almost, you know what it's like that I found? Because I, I, I went down the rabbit hole and people, if you go watch one Mike Bailey match, you're going to go down the rabbit hole and keep watching and watching because I don't think you've ever put out a bad match, at least that I've watched personally. But you have that crazy unique moveset where it's almost like a build a, a wrestler like w- when you play smackdown versus raw or something like you want a little bit of high fly you want a little bit of mat and and ground and pound and stuff and you put them both so well together and you mentioned it kicking and all that how is it jumping off the ropes and doing all the top rope stuff barefoot well first of all i just want to say you're wrong oh i've been wrestling for 15 years and i've had a lot of bad matches <laughs> okay <laughs> it, it took a while before they got good it took a, like it took a really long time it was a lot of trial and error but um, 
I do, like, yeah, as far as jumping off the top rope barefoot, I do have to be careful and things like just landing, like, I have to make sure I land on my toes and not on my heels. Mm. Recently in England, just in the beginning of a match, a simple thing, I guy goes to the outside, I go to try to, like, backflip on him, but he moves out of the way, I land on my feet on the outside. Things I've done, like, a hundred times, no issues. Okay. But this time, I over-rotated just a little bit, mm. and I didn't take into account that the floor was concrete. Landed on my heels, oh. and I was stuck with pain there for months. Right. But um, I still went through it, and it heals. Uh, like, I mean, the thing about feet and toes is that there isn't much you can do about it. It's a bruise, and it True. you can rest it a little bit, but it's going to go away eventually. I mean, more from doing Taekwondo than wrestling, I've, I've like, broken so many toes and oh, wow. gotten deep bruises on my feet from <laughs> kicking elbows in tournaments and i like my feet have toughened actually that's not that's not even true um they haven't even toughened up over time if anything they're just like micro fractures and all and all oh, like shit. broken broke up but i've learned how to deal with it well i get well and again good for this time because it do a little bit of healing up too right <laughs> right okay another few moves that you do okay you, you got a crazy move so like i said Two of my favorites is the running corkscrew shooting star press, which I don't know how much rotation you get on that of just standing and literally flipping off the ground. That kudos to you for that. And obviously one of your finishings, the shooting star double knee drop, which you yes. do mostly to the back, right? You don't really do as yes. much. I've noticed to people's chest. Is that more where you don't want to hurt someone or it just looks better when it's on someone's back? Um, it looks better and it's a lot safer. Mm. <laughs> To the back, if that makes sense. Um, of course. <laughs> but that's just kind of how I've adapted it and how like how I figured out uh, to set it up more like, if that makes sense. No, of course. And what I want to know is how do you come up with these things? Like, Because, again, your background is Taekwondo. So it's not like you're doing these yeah. sort of moves in Taekwondo. So is there like an inspiration or is there tapes you've seen or anyone or does it just come to you naturally? So – um, now we're going to get into a pretty deep wrestling nerd oh, talk. Here. here we go. But um, this is how you pretty much come up with wrestling moves. I mean, especially stuff that's your own is by trial and error and over time. Mm. So specifically, one time I tried to do a... I had seen someone else do it. I knew I could do it. Okay. And I tried to do like a, a 450 standing moonsault, basically. So just Shit. jump up, backflip, and then land with my back on the guy. Okay, right. But I messed it up. Oh. He like had an arm up, and on the way down, I caught his arm, so I landed with my knees on him. Oh, shit. Okay. And I, afterwards, I was like, did that hurt? And the guy was like, no, it was fine. Oh. And I asked someone else, did, did that look like a, like I messed it up? And they were like, no, it was cool. So I just instead, okay, I'm going to do that, the backflip with the knees. Sure. And then my first finishing move was the Phoenix Splash. Okay. Which is you start backwards on the top rope, you mm-hmm. jump, turn around, and do a front flip, and then land further out with your chest on the guy. Right. But from doing that over and over, and I was starting out, I didn't have much to offer, but I had a cool finishing move. Mm-hmm. So promoters wanted me to hit it pretty much every match. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> and doing that twice a week off the top, it was a lot of rotation, and I oh, like my wrists were starting to hurt right. from doing it every single time. Mm. And so I changed my finisher just to shooting star press. Okay. Um, but then I started like when I was in when I did my first PWG show. Mm-hmm. We were like four guys on the show who used the shooting star press regularly. Gotcha. And I had already started using just a, like a 
second rope, usually shooting star press to the guy's back mm. just to make it different. And then so mm. I could build up to my finisher and do like the smaller version, which was the second rope to the back. But then I can't pin the guy, so I have to turn him around. But that took too much time, so now I have to go to the top rope okay. and hit the full-on shooting star press to get the win. I was like, well, I do the backflip knees. And I do the second rope shooting star press to the back. Why don't I just put those two together? Mm, makes sense. And that, but that's like, again, that's a lot of trial and error. And it's a gotcha. lot of experience. And that's how I think wrestlers should come up with moves is to try to figure out like a coherent way to get to your finisher or yes. your coolest moves, right? Like there's, there's like a pathway and a story that you're telling on top of this actual story of the match, just with the moves. For example, if your finish is going to be uh, like a, a cross face or a submission that involves the neck, mm. then you should make sure that, like, then your second biggest move is something that hurts the neck, so you can hit that move, then try to go for the submission, but the submission doesn't work, and then when you do finally get it in the end, it works out, and transition and build up from there. Of course. Um, and then also, like, a, a big thing is just trial and error, and... You do a move, you have a new move you want to try, mm. you're like, man, maybe this will be fun. Do it just early in the match at a part where it's not that important. True. And if it doesn't get a reaction and the crowd doesn't care or doesn't believe it, or it's too hard and, you're mess- and you mess it up, then done, forget about the move. But if it gets a bigger reaction, mm. then you move it up the chain and you do it at a part of the match that's more important. And then you slowly build it up that way, which is how I think wrestlers should find finishers is not by simply deciding oh, I want to do this move, but no. Figure out a move. You're already doing a couple. Figure out one that works for yourself, and if that gets a bigger reaction, well, they'll move it up. And then the one that's the coolest, the one Mm. that makes the most sense for a finisher, just move it up the chain until it reaches the top, and then use that as your finishing move you know and again it's so simple in words but not a lot of people get it like like again uh, like i mentioned i watched a ton of your matches one thing i noticed is that you it's true you build up towards the high flying moves like it's not to yes. say that you start off slow but you start off with the more martial arts background with the kicking right. and then after you take some and then after you start doing the flying and then a whole shitload of stuff outside of the ring which is just crazy on its own now when you're doing this i guess not routine wrestling moves is this just out of the blue because one thing i noticed too you had this crazy it was like a reverse into a Huron karana on the apron to trevor lee or sorry yes cameron grimes and pwg now yes. was that something that just came to you that you just wanted to do because you did it and then you guys landed on the floor i already thought you guys were both dead and then you hopped up and you did your finishing move to the outside the shooting star double knee drop and also in one succession it was like what the fuck is going on here like was that all on the fly well, that was his idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> right? Um, again, it's that... Like, there's a ratio for every move for how dangerous is it versus how much is it going to pay off. Sure. Right? And, of course, like, if things are going to pay off real well, you're willing to make them a lot more dangerous. But this one, like, the guy is incredibly athletic. He knows what he's doing. True. He's taken reverse hurricane runners a million times. I've done them. I've jumped from the ring to the floor. I'm comfortable with it. Okay. Like it's a uh, it it's a good move in that it looks really dangerous. Yes. It looks exactly. crazy, but he and I know it's controlled. Oh, that's awesome. And that's what I love to hear, stuff like that, where it's not reckless and it's planned and you guys know how to take it and you're confident in each other, so you know you're not going to mess it up. And it, and again, it looks great on TV. And speaking that's of... How, the, that's uh, how go all good pro wrestling is meant to happen. 
Well, again. It's meant to look like the guys are killing each other and everything they do is dangerous. Really, it's not. One thing I didn't notice, are you a leg slapper? Or no? I think, well... Everyone is, yeah. Everyone is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but they should be. Like, it's a it's a useful tool that works very well. Now, th- like, I, I really don't mind talking about like topics like this, but I'm really gonna like oh, break kayfabe. Do you oh, think sorry. your your listeners care about breaking kayfabe? Or Half of them gonna... probably don't even know what a wrestler is, so go for it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, then I should probably explain the leg slap, right? Sure. When you want something to like make a noise of course wrestling and that's a like that's something i think about and talk about a lot how wrestling is very like auditive is that the word in english i'm trying to not think of it i guess so auditive is can you say that i I guess you can like that's that sound is important what would be the word to mean that it i don't it's i I don't even know man you're speaking to someone who speaks english and i don't even fucking know (laughs) So no, I'm sure the listeners know what you're trying to. Do you want something that portrays out like it almost like in stereo sound, pretty much? Yes, but like sound is very important for wrestling, and the contrast between things being loud and things not being loud is something you have to factor in when you're when you're wrestling and when you're taking a match. Also, Mm. the contrast between times when it's quiet and times when it's loud, right? So the classic pro wrestling punch where you. Uh, hit the guy in the head and then stomp down with both feet in order to make the sound. Right. Right? That's like that's one way and that's very common and it, funnily enough in pro wrestling that is perfectly accepted. Mm-hmm. No one complains the eye stumps his feet but when you yeah. do slap your leg which is the exact same thing the exact oh, same concept. Con- true. Concept. Con- sorry, concept. Right. People get mad which is I think is insane. I never now, thought of it that for way. for both for stomping your feet and for slapping your leg, there's right. a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. Sure. There's a way to over stomp your feet and do like give 10 punches and then jump up and down and then all the <laughs> audience will lose their suspension of disbelief and sure. go, this guy's just stomping the floor. There's mm. no sound. And it's the same thing when you slap your leg. Mm. If I can kick a guy in the chest real hard and then my hands are not involved, I'm just kicking him. Right. And then sound, wham, big sound of me hitting you can see my foot hits it in the chest. Exactly. Wham! Yeah. Wham! And then I switch it to his head and then... Oh, my leg. True. There's subtlety. But again, of course, there's people that do it too much mm. and do it on things they shouldn't and then it sure. looks obvious. But again, that's bad pro wrestling. Um, failing to hide the tricks is just one there of the go. millions of ways that you can you know, make a mistake in a pro wrestling match. Well, it's true, because I look at it as, like, a, a magician doing his tricks. If you could see the yeah. person behind the screen, so to yes. speak, then you don't want to believe it. But if you don't see anything, like, oh, my God, this guy's a, a witch or something, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, that I totally makes sense. I think it's funny that people, like, harp on leg slapping so much as if, oh, this guy, he slapped his leg. And right. you hear that, like, NXT reviews a lot and people yeah. complaining about slapping their legs, but... Any, like anyone who accuses people of slapping their leg is guilty of stomping the floor with their feet when they punched Makes and it sense. looks just as silly <laughs> no I'm glad you brought it up that way because I never thought of it that way for me it doesn't matter I don't give a because f- I've been a long life wrestling fan so I understand the nuances yes. of it so yes. I sort of see it differently as I guess the everyday person right but I, when you explain it like that it's like it's so true like there's so many old school techniques that the old school guys 
harp about today that you, you guys do, but it's sort of just a reimagination of it. And it's like, you guys used to do this. So why were you allowed? And now we're not allowed because why? It's not the exact same way. Like, how do you evolve? Yes. Right. So the, this is, I'm, I'm going to get philosophical here. We're moving <laughs> from wrestling nerddom to just Go philosophy. Yeah. But the way to be in life is to be able to objectively figure out the best way to get to your goal. Thank you. And, disregard all the wrong information that you've had in your life right. and wrestling is a lot of that and like it's a mistake to pick a camp and choose a style and decide what you want to do where what you really should be doing is figure out your goal which if you're an independent wrestler like i am right. is to get booked on a night and then in accordance with what the promoter has asked you to do have the best match possible of course and whether things are old school, new school, or like the public opinion on this is like it's looked down on things like slapping your leg. If it's going to help, my if, if slapping my leg is going to make my match better that night, mm -hmm. then I'm going to do it. No, it's so true. And again, the thing I don't understand is wrestling is a subjective art. So not everyone's going to like a certain style. So I don't understand these people who think they could mold a perfect wrestler. To me, there's no such right. thing. Like that's why yeah. when someone has an argument of the Ra Rushmore of wrestling, everyone has a different person on there. That's yes. the reason why, right? Yeah, there, there really is no like... That's one of the great and horrible things about wrestling is that it's so subjective. Yeah. Um, that makes it like that makes it a lot harder to say what is good and and right. what is bad. But like, I I do in my heart of hearts believe that there is like objectively good pro wrestling, and like I I could go on about why and what I think is is like what makes objectively mm -hmm. good pro wrestling versus subjectively good pro wrestling. And, right like how it differs but that's a that's a long conversation well it's sort of like me like i love comedy wrestling but i can't watch yes. it all the time so when i see like right. someone doing like a pure mat like i'm not a f pure fan of just like a mat tyson dukes is gonna kill me and, and he's a buddy of mine too and i'm like sorry tyson but <laughs> i'm not a pure fan of the mat technician like the 80s wrestling the 70s wrestling the, like that sort of stuff but if it's very good and it keeps my attention I'll watch it all day, right? So that's, I guess, what you're talking about, being the objective versus the subjective, right? Yes. Perfect. So, uh, exactly, and if we're going to speak about Tyson Dukes, that old-school 80s style is not my favorite either, right? and it's not the matches I seek out. But usually, they're my favorite people to wrestle. Wow, see? And Ty like Tyson Dukes is definitely one of my favorites for many obvious reasons. Of course. But... He's so true to his style that when he wrestles someone like me, who's also very true to their style, but their style is completely different, mm. then you have that nice contrast that always makes for a fun match. True. And that's why I really like wrestling people that are more grapplers. And like, I focus on that contrast as well. If I, I'm going to wrestle someone that's also a high flyer, then I probably have to tone down my high flying. Right. But if I'm wrestling someone that's a grappler and that does something that already, before I've even taken account, okay, what do I do today, mm. already does nothing I do, then I can just go all out in my own style. And that always makes for a, a usually usually pretty good match. Well, one perfect example is your match you had with Walter in, in Riptide, right? Like, there's yes. a perfect example right there. <laughs> yes. 
And that was great. And then Actually, also you have another perfect example in Will Ospreay where you guys are both high flyers. And like you said, you toned it down, but n- not enough where people are like, hey, where's the real Mike Bailey? Like, you know what I mean? Yes. It's a, like it's a completely different way to tell that story. Like right. um, Walter and I both are obviously very different performers, but we meet in the middle of striking. Yes, thank so you. So that's kind of how the match plays out. It's I take over with my high flying, but when I when I get to do the striking, he kind of meets me there, and we kind of go fifty fifty because we're both evenly matched in that area. Of course. But then when he gets a hold of me, that's when he really <laughs> looks strong because he's obviously like a lot bigger and a lot better of a grappler than me. Right. And that's that's a fun dynamic, and that's an easy dynamic to tell a story with. No, of course. And another one, to me, one, one of my favorite matches of yours was an OTT against Keith Lee. Like, th- there's another huge yes. behemoth. Now, I got to know, yes. but before we get into Keith Lee, who chops harder, Keith Lee or Walter? <laughs> well, you got to think about it. Yeah, that's pretty hard. I feel like <laughs> Keith Lee does that one double chop. That's what I was thinking, right? So that one is hard. But I told... So- that's a very hard chop, but that's a very specific way to chop. So I think just in terms of overall chopping strength, Walter has him beat. Oh, my God. And another great match I loved in OTT was against Mark, uh, Matt Riddle. Yes. Sort of similar styles, but you're a bit more high flyer. Okay, this was a crazy match. Even like the early sequence, these guys went up to the outside. And, and I don't, are you scared of doing those moves to the outside when there's literally no room to work out there? <laughs> like, are you scared something might go haywire? Um, no. <laughs> it's never crossed Honestly, your mind? It is, but, like, if I chose to do it, right, it probably wasn't that scary. There's plenty of times where there's no space and I'm just not going to try it. But if I do it, even if it looks scary, that's successful pro wrestling, that means I've calculated it and I thought, oh, this looks scary enough, but I can do it, then it's worth doing. Yeah, because I don't understand. Like, I don't know what it was. It was, looked like some sort of hockey board you stood on, and then you were flying it towards Riddle, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, there's people everywhere, and then you ended up even grabbing a drink and taking a swig of someone's beer. And that's another thing. Well, obviously, in today's day and age, I seriously doubt anyone's going to be doing that moving forward because of what's going on in the world. But again, right. shit like that doesn't cross your mind. What if there's something else in here? Or <laughs> You know what I mean? No, not with beer. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Unless it's someone's I'll, piss I'll, and, they, and they didn't want to go <laughs> to, to, to the urinal. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't take a drink of someone's Pepsi. I don't see what, what the point to that would be. What, you're, you're not a Pepsi fan? What, are you Coke guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. That's something would be as funny if it was an alcohol. <laughs> okay, uh, now I want to go back to PWG. Because yes. you had a crazy run in 2015. This is when pretty much PWG was blowing up, was on the map, everyone had eyes on it, and you made right. it to the finals of BOLA. Like, just the people you knocked off. Drew McIntyre, current WWE champ in the first round. Yes. Alistair yeah. Black, obviously everyone knows, obviously he wasn't Alistair Black at the time, but everyone knows who he is. Will Ospreay, another person that I mentioned before. And then you made it to the finals in a three-way with Chris Hero and the eventual winner, Zack Sabre. What was going through your mind when they told you, you're going to go over, you're going to finals... Here it is. <laughs> so that that specific night was probably like the hardest, physically the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Like Drew Galloway, 
Drew McIntyre, sorry. Sure. Or I guess he goes by both. Both are fine, regardless. Yep. Current WWE champion. Yep. He is a massive person. Oh, that's what everyone says. Right? Just scary, massive, and <laughs> strong. And I'm like, I. Right now, I weigh about 175. I was probably like 160 at the time. Oh, just shit. a bit smaller. Okay, yeah. But. Um, we wrestled for 20, 25 minutes in that first night, mm-hmm. and it was rough. Oh, wow. It was long. Halfway through the match, he gave me a move, mm. like a an Alabama slam, which is where you have the guy on your shoulders, mm-hmm. and then you just slam him forwards over your head. Yep. Um, but it was a reverse album, so chest first, and I just yes. like didn't break a rib, thank God, but Ooh. I thought I did when it happened. Okay, yeah. And then we had to rest another 10 minutes after that. Jeez. And it was incredibly hard. And it's in Los Angeles. Yes. In, I think, was it uh, late, uh, in early August, maybe? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. It's either late July or early August, around that time, yeah. Right. In a very small building. Yes. With 300 people in it. <laughs> and it is at least 40 degrees in there. Oof. And that, so... That was very hard. That match with Brugal was very hard in itself. Okay. And then the next day, I have to wrestle three times. Wow. So that's how they do it. Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. And then not to mention, again, maybe, a, I guess in a three-way, you could do a little bit of powdering in the corner every once in a while because at least you have two other yes. guys taking control. But right. again, how were you at the end of that? Like, were you thinking like, oh my God, that's it. I've made it. This is, I'm going to get signed by everybody now. Everyone's going to want a piece of me. Or are you like, because being from Taekwondo, you're always taught, or any mixed martial art, to be humble, to respect everything. Or were you just like, ah, if it comes, I'm Zen, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know if it's my my anxiety or my low, low self-esteem. Okay. But there are very, very rarely... Especially for pro wrestling, again, and I, I know I keep going back to this, but no, like I have great great respect for how complex it is. Okay. And when you're doing something like three matches, and then the last one is an elimination three way, like I'm very very I have to be absolutely focused on what I'm doing. Okay. And how to do it the best, and like what's the most I can do, and everything. Like how can I make everything perfect? Mm. That it's not until like way later that I start thinking. Oh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so you don't live in the moment then, do you? But uh, Yeah, I do. I, oh, do. I okay. live in the moment, but very in a, in a very, very practical way. Well, I, again, it might be because you have an analytical mind, I guess, right? So you're trying to, again, put all the pieces together, make the story branch out, and then after you're like, ah, okay, now I've done a good job, right? Right. So I remember um, I just after that match in the finals where... Uh, me, Chris Hero, and Zach had all had um, three matches that night and one the night before. Right. And just after, like, we just all sat down together and went, like, nice. We really feel like we've been in a car crash right now. Oh. Like, all three of us just. Right. Exhausted oh, and bruised. and. But let me guess, you would do it all over again, wouldn't you? Of course. And I would. <laughs> and. I've done it again since. See? <laughs> uh, all right, before we get into uh, some mixed martial art talk, I got a, a, one more 
thing about wrestling. So you're one of those guys that literally wrestlers seek out to have a match with. Like the one that comes to my mind, because maybe because I was there live and I actually saw it, was against Brian Cage for, in Smash one night here in Toronto. Because yes. I remember him tweeting afterwards. He's like, finally, I got to wrestle Mike Bailey. Something about bucket list thing or whatever. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Go back and see it again. This is a couple of years ago. Now, how cool is that to see these, again, he's AEW number one contender, like, you know what I mean? These top right. tier guys seeking you out to be in the match. And who's your bucket list guy? If the roles were reversed, who do you want to wrestle that you haven't wrestled? Um, so there are two main ones. Number one is John Cena. Oh, there you go. Because, of course, if I'm wrestling John Cena, it means somewhere in my career things went very well. Makes sense. And, and financially, it probably is going very well also. Right. Um, unless his career went way down, which would, I guess would be a bad side. But right. um, the, the probably person I would like to wrestle the most right now is Kenny Omega. Ah, okay. Yeah, but you had a with, match with him, didn't you? Yes. Uh, like, I did. And when I talk about, like, understanding over time just how complex wrestling is. Right. That was one of those times where before I wrestled him and just like in terms like just talking about the match and seeing how his mind works and how everything is planned out and how well he understands it right. was just amazing at the time and truly made me feel even though I like I was wrestling for PWG, I had been wrestling for a little bit and things were going all right, that like I was not like I hadn't nearly gone as far as I could. Mm. And there was still so much pro wrestling for me to learn. Um, we still had a great match, like everything, yeah. like he, he's amazing and it was still lots of fun. But that was before I even went to to Japan with DDT for the first time. Okay, gotcha. Which is like by far where I learned the most mm. in pro wrestling in my life. And so I feel like since going to DDT, my wrestling has just gotten so 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 much better wow. and i feel like kenny's as well over the past few years he's like proved to be maybe the best wrestler in the world right with those matches with okada mm -hmm. and things like that and now at AEW, where he's putting on classic matches every time he wrestles no i think fun. just like the match we could have right now would be something special yeah that would be crazy so what, what about mexico you learn anything in mexico in your time spent there Yes, yes. Um, I, so I think I think Japan has the best wrestling in the world. Okay, fair. Um, part of that is because the Japanese fans just pay attention to the match so much. And if you watch Japanese wrestling, they're quiet. They listen. Of course. They pay attention. Yes. So if you want to tell complex stories and work in details into your matches, they will notice a lot more than audiences anywhere else in the world. Right. However, I think the best training in the world happens in Mexico. Oh, wow. And I think Lucha Libre is a lot more concrete in what it is as an art form. Like, mm. there's very specific rules to Lucha Libre and how you do it. And I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. I really enjoyed the training. I enjoyed how good at the skill of Lucha Libre the, like the, the Mexican wrestlers are usually. Um I also think that's why wrestlers like uh, I'm going to use Bandido as an example, sure. and also everyone has been on an excursion to Mexico. But Bandido, who is number one example of guy who was trained in Mexico, mm -hmm. 
learned to move and do some crazy stuff and then went to Japan and learned how to put it all together there in a like detailed and complex and intricate way. And I like I always think those guys are some of the best wrestlers in the world. Oh, that's so cool to hear. Now, let's get into some MMA, MMA talk because I have a lot of MMA fans that listen as well because I usually get some fighters on every once in a while too. Yep, okay. Let's start with your Taekwondo. Like you mentioned it, you were 14 and you already started in Taekwondo. So were you one of those kids that have been always doing it their whole lives? No. So I started when I was 11. Okay. Which is like young but not super young. Sure. Um just because I like, I had a friend who did it, and I didn't even seek it out. He just like kind of went like, "Oh, I've been doing taekwondo. Do you want to come try out a class?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." In the back of my mind, thinking, "Oh, this will be good for for wrestling." Like, <laughs> but I do start that later, right. which is how a lot of a lot of like people start martial arts. Right. I I think it was Tito Ortiz. I was listening to a podcast, okay, and he was talking about how when he first joined the wrestling team at mm-hmm. his high school, he thought it was going to be like WWE, and he was surprised that there was no ring. So right? It's a fairly common story. No, I've but, heard a few of them yeah, too. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> since then, I've like I've, I'm a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh wow! I do know that they they like some Taekwondo gives uh, black belts faster than a lot of other martial arts. Okay. Which is fine. Um, the reason for that, I think, is because it's a lot more sport oriented. Mm. Due to it being an Olympic sport. Oh, yeah, makes sense. And a lot of other disciplines. And when you compete with black belt, is kind of when you're just in the pool and free to compete with everyone else. Right. So I got my black belt in just under three years, I think. Oh, wow. Because I was performing very well in competitions and that okay. kind of sped up the process. Well, the one thing I always want to know, because I'm not too familiar with Taekwondo, again, being an MMA fan, they only talk about boxing, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu, right? That's the main three that everyone, or in kickboxing, as you want to throw in there too. So can you make a living off being a high-level Taekwondo practitioner? Like, is there no. like, like, other than the Olympics, what is there, right? No, yeah. Okay. Um, which is the problem with like so many amateur sports. It's true. That there's no no avenue for it afterwards. It's very hard. But again, like even even MMA and kickboxing and boxing, it's very hard to make a living off of it unless you're very, very good, in which right. case it's possible to get very rich. But for Taekwondo, it's very difficult. And I've heard stories of a lot of, and this is not just Taekwondo, this is so many other sports that make it to the Olympics mm. and then whether they win or lose, they just retire after because of the process of going to the Olympics gotcha. and then competing and how they had to put their whole life on hiatus to perform in this very prestigious prestigious event for which most likely they won't even get paid and just it's such a strain on your life financially that it's not worth it. Yeah, no kidding. Now, the other thing that I wanted to know too, has anyone, okay, knowing your background, has anyone tried to like sort of, and you don't have to name names obviously because I'm not here for that, has anyone stiffed you in the ring being like, oh, this guy's a black belt, let me show him what I can do. <laughs> No. Never. Oh, cool. Okay, that's good to know. I, but I, I don't think that happens in pro wrestling that much nowadays. Oh, Everyone's online and everyone has a reputation and it's very hard to... You know what, that is it true. It still happens, of course, but a lot less than you would think it does by watching Dark Side of the Ring and things like that. Yeah, I guess that sort of makes sense. Now, my next question, I got to know, do you ever think of hopping into a cage? Do you ever want to do that once in your life or even have a match? So, yes... I think it's too late now. Okay. I'm 29. It's a bit late. So That's still late. I, okay. I started, uh, I started Taekwondo. I competed until I was like 
24, I think. I did my last competition at 24 years old. Okay. Um, like before that, maybe like one year before and then after that, I started boxing as well. And then, like, I, I had one box, one amateur boxing fight. I am 0-1 as that amateur boxer. Oh. But, so already, like, this is kind of why I stopped doing Taekwondo competitions. Okay. Is the same reason I didn't take any more boxing fights is because wrestling was like it had started i had started being successful in wrestling mm. and again when you do a taekwondo tournament you pay the entry fee you drive yourself there for the weekend you cut 10 pounds and diet down a week before and then you have to pay for the equipment and everything else and so when you could get paid to go wrestle for uh ccw or you can pay a lot of money to do a taekwondo competition Mm. after a while it doesn't become worth it and you're much better off I guess so. making some money with something you enjoy than True. doing something you also enjoy and that's rewarding in a lot of different ways but not doing it so like I'm very successful like subjectively of course sure. pretty successful at <laughs> pro wrestling right. um, if I could find the time and like fit somewhere in there to like practice enough to go get a fight right. I would love to but right now, like I'm, I'm too focused on other things. So who, I think it, like a kickboxing match would be a lot more likely, and I'd be into oh, that. Okay, so there you go. Not per se like MMA, like or for people who don't follow MMA, like UFC type style, right? Right. Well, you're you know you're from Montreal. Everyone knows one of the greatest of all time. GSP's from there, so you could always That's hit right. him up if you need some pro tips, right? <laughs> I doubt he's just available like <laughs> for for training, but of course. You never know. So who are your favorites in MMA then, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, GSP, of course. Sure. <laughs> of course. Um, number one, like, GSP and Anderson Silva are, like, my favorites. I yeah, love watching old, yeah. old Anderson Silva. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, being a Taekwondo guy, I, a lot of, I, I like a lot of the traditional martial artists. Okay. Um, I was a big Lyoto Mashida fan. Nice. Um, Luke Rockhold I enjoy as well mixes mm -hmm. very well some good kicks and right. the the traditional MMA uh, Wonder Boy well, Thompson yeah another one love his style um, I loved when TRT Vitor was a Taekwondo guy for two fights <laughs> right right yeah no kidding the old school UFC when anything goes when <laughs> you know like my favorite was when that little cusp when it was like it wasn't sort of the Street Fighter guys anymore. It was they sort of knew what they were doing, but testing wasn't really around yet. You, you know what I mean? Like yes. th that little window. I think it was about a five year window, maybe when it was like Chuck Liddell Ortiz, like yes. that prime time. That was oh, that was the best UFC ever. <laughs> so okay, I gotta throw a few matches as of this recording. The next card is gonna be UFC two fifty one. I want to see some of your thoughts on some of these because this is a huge card. Like I'm running it down and I'm looking. Like you have Nama Yunus versus Andrade. That's going to be a banger fight right there alone. Yes. Who, who do you think is going to go over and down? Uh, right? This could go... Have, yeah. Uh, this is 50-50. This right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been following... Um, I think Andrade is a lot closer to her prime than Nama Yunus. I know, but every time I always bet against Nama Yunus, she always comes out and ends up winning. That's the thing with her. Like, you know what I mean? Are you a betting man when it comes to UFC? 
I try not to, and it's it, it's fucked up because when I do bet and I think I'm going to win, it's when I lose. You know what I mean? Right. And then the yeah. times where I just throw it out there and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then it, I'm one of those guys, and I just hate it because if I bet, I lose, but if I don't bet, I win. So I, I don't know what right. to do. <laughs> but no, if I was – yeah, because it, that that could go either way. Like you just said, like Andrade's more in her prime and stuff, and it's like – but again, Nama Yunus has – she's that, that – I don't know, that pit bull, like, you know what I mean? Like, she has that one-shot power capability, too, and it's like, and speaking of boxing, she, out of all the women, she has one of the crispest jabs yes. that's going today, too. Fantastic. And being a fan of GSP, you must appreciate that, right? By the way, how good is the, how good are the women in the UFC? Right. Love it. Hey, I've, I've had a, a couple of women on before, and I said it, too. I think that, and wrestling, but again, I guess it's not a true sport, but in the sense, it's sort of the same thing that I'm trying to get to. Women's mixed martial arts is the most close thing to a competitive man sport that there is out there. Like, you can't compare the WNBA to the NBA, I'm sorry to say. Like, the women aren't dunking and putting on the shows. It's a great clinic because it's more fundamentals, but it's not that showy stuff that people want to see. You know what I mean? And same thing for every other sport. It's just, you could tell they're a little bit behind. And but for MMA and wrestling, it's just like right there. Like it's just something about these combat sports that women just—I don't know—they're just fantastic at, man. Well, so now is when I start talking about women's pro wrestling. Sure. And how how much of a shame it is that for like so long in the U.S. and only in the U.S. it was like kept down, and still today, but back then a lot more opportunities were limited, and it was like as difficult as it could possibly be for women to break out in pro wrestling True. and how now like it's, it's starting up again and there's a lot of talented women's wrestlers out there now. Um, but like in, I don't know if you've seen any of like old Manami Toyota, Akira Hokuto, Japanese pro wrestling from the women's wrestling from the early nineties. No, not at all. Okay. Then those are some of my favorite matches okay. of all time. Oh, wow. Including one that is, uh, let me see if it's on YouTube and I can find it. It'll take just a second. No, go but Kaoru versus Lioness Asuka. Okay. Which is not the same Asuka as in WWE right now, <laughs> sure. but an old wrestler called Lioness Asuka, which is absolutely insane and probably like maybe the greatest match of all time. Well, you hear these stories about the Japanese women's wrestling back in the 90s, like of the Bull Nakanos and stuff like that. Everyone reveres yes. these women. Like, you know what I mean? So. I think Bolakano, I think, is funny because people love her look. She looks iconic. She had the face paint and the crazy hair. Of and just, People love her. But even, like, back then, she was not, like, like in Japan, she's not the most famous, like, women's pro wrestler. Not even close. There's right. a lot that are, like, a lot more famous than she is. But, all like, so many of those matches are on YouTube, mm. and they're all just fantastic just fantastic. Some of the best wrestling ever. Oh, I'll, I'll have but to yeah, go down a, like, a rabbit hole for that then. Yeah, I, but I think like um, going back to the UFC there, mm. like it's a shame that that wasn't around for a while. And it's a shame that it took so long for like women to get so popular in the UFC. Um, right. When I see a pound for pound best of all time list without Amanda Nunez exactly. on it, but like Conor McGregor is number five, and, and I'm a, a, Amanda understand. Nunes is like number ten. That doesn't make any sense to me, and that just angers me. And I don't understand that either. And you know the other thing I don't like, and I'm I'm guilty of it too because I'm not a huge Ronda Rousey fan. It's well, I don't know why people just dismiss her too. People don't dismiss Gracie, like you know what I mean. Like if you were to put 
Gracie in a cage today, he would lose every match. Like, you know what I mean? It's totally different. Same thing with Ronda. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Ronda's washed up. She didn't do anything. And I'm like, do you not realize what she did and putting women's MMA on the friggin' map? Like, you know what I mean? How big of a star she was. Yes. <laughs> right? Exactly. I think her, her Deliberan was also, like... Of course. Greatly underrated. I think how, so, too. how good she was and how, like, fast she picked it up and... It's so true. I think she did great the whole way through, yeah. Well, I think it's, again, it's sort of that she fell into that. And I hate when this happens to certain people when everyone loves to see the rise, but when they get to the top, they want to see them come down. And she fell into that yeah. bracket. Like, you know what I mean? And I just hate how sometimes yes. she, like, not, not only she, but there's a lot of people in, across any industry nowadays where that happens to. And it's like, what the fuck's wrong with people? Like, why do you like them when they're, like, no, but not nobody's, but when they're on the up and coming? Another example is John Jones, but he's, he's dug his own hole. That's a different yeah. story. But in Ronda Rousey's case, all she really did was speak her mind and be herself. And then people started turning on her because they're like, oh, she's not this squeaky clean, miss all oh, roses and sunshine all the time. She wants to fuck can punch people out and she has a mean temper like you know what i mean and people couldn't yes. take that and i think that's ridiculous which you kind of need in order to compete at her level for right? so long and i yeah i i i think it's a shame when when people like that of course there's that in any industry but most definitely know. well let's go to the, the I'll, let's mention two more last cards before uh, we get into the dumbass of the week as well so we also got Max Holloway is one of my favorites too. This guy's a beast versus Volkanovski in, in a flyweight championship match. So I believe this is the rematch where Holloway dropped it to Volkanovski, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So this is the, and their first match was, whoo, it was crazy. So I can't wait for this one as well. Cause Holloway's one of those guys, he could do it all. Like, you know what I mean? He's one of those well, and again, another guy that should be in like the top five, top 10 of all time. And then no one talks about him either. So. Um, usually watching MMA fights, you're hoping for that big finish, that big knockout, that big submission. I want this to go to a decision so bad. Oh, okay. Like, I just want them to, they're, they're both just scrappy and yeah. True. solid. And I want just, I just want them to go at it for five rounds. You know what? That is true. Like that's, I'm not, I'm sort of the guy who, unless it's very competitive and it goes back and forth yes. the whole time, I'm cool with it going to distance. But if they're humping each other, so to speak, or they're avoiding each other, and I'm sorry to say it usually happens with the heavyweights come the mid yes. of the second round, once they gas out, yes. they're just dancing around. And then yes. if one's a wrestler, they take them down and then it's like, okay, guys, like we understand now what's going on, right? But if it's like right. you said, if it's competitive, oh no, you, you yeah. go, <laughs> go for it. And both, both of these guys do not, like, they, I don't think there's ever been like a Max Holloway fight where he right. didn't scrap for the whole time. No kidding. And then you got the main event. You got Kamaru Usman versus Burns. Just a quick turnaround for Burns on this one, going for the welterweight championship. Well, I guess he's there's who else is there in the welterweight division? Like, you know what I mean? Nowadays, like at one point, it was one of the most stacked divisions. And now it seems like with the departure of Woodley and everyone else, it's like it's it's sort of thin. Like, you know what I mean? And who was the other guy who had the belt for the longest time? Oh, my God. What's his name? Oh, my memory sucks sometimes. Baller? Yes, Lawler's another guy who, not to say he's on his downward, but he's not in his prime anymore either. So, right, it, it's sort of a, a like that, one of the lighter divisions. Rapidly. I feel like one fifty five became one seventy, and one seventy became one fifty five. Right, feels that way. Right, you had like a lot, a long, like 
a lot of champions, and it kind of went back and forth for a while at 155, but with no one like steady on top, and then like a lot of a lot of great guys under, but no one could keep the champ. And now it's switched around. True. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how um, I feel about this main event. I'm gonna go with Usman just because he's another beast. Like, yeah, he hasn't so he really has slowed down. Favorite, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, nowadays, it's so hard with MMA. Like, back in the day, again, you had your clear winner. You know who was going to go in there. Now, it's like, like, someone made a good quote, and I don't want to take credit for this, obviously. Someone said something that, it's not the best fighter that wins. It's the one who's the most prepared that day who wins. Like, you know what I mean? So, it's not yes. always the better all-around fighter. It's just the guy who's going to put on the show, so to speak. So, again, Burns could do the upset, but I, I think they dropped a the ball on this one. And, not again, I don't know behind-the-scenes stuff, so I shouldn't speak out, but I would rather see... Covington versus Usman. Like, that's the money match, I would think, no? You don't think Masvidal? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Masvidal. He's a strange case, currently. Yes. But I think him versus Usman is the money fight. True. That's true. But you know what? I would rather see Masvidal versus Conor, believe it or not. I think that would be, I guess, on the pre-hype alone, I think it would be a better build-up. Because, again, Connor pushes everyone's button. And if you push Masvidal yes. enough, he's going to come out and he's going to be pure, like, watch out. <laughs> Anyone versus Connor is going to be a bigger money fight. But, like, it, it would be interesting, but kind of inconsequential. Like, I feel like if you had Masvidal versus Connor, you'd have a battle of people who can't possibly beat Khabib. Mm. <laughs> True. And rank-wise, that's where it would stay. It would be exciting for the build-up, but... Right. No, I totally see where it comes. And what do you think of this whole sort of, again, taking from wrestling, being a heel in the MMA world as Covington is, of being the whole Trump supporter gimmick and all that stuff? Do you appreciate it as a wrestler, or do you think it should be like a pure sport and leave the wrestlers being wrestlers? So, well, I had a discussion about that with a friend recently. Um, so, I think... Like, it's it's a difficult thing because when you're a pro wrestler nowadays, you can't really just, like, have a gimmick on the day of the show and then switch back to normal. Right. You kind of have to take it with you everywhere you go, right? Sure. Like, you, your Twitter also has to reflect your personality. And then, of course. like, wrestling is an immersive experience right now, so that has to be reflected on the internet as well. So it's a lot more difficult. And that's why you can't have, like... That's why it's difficult to have like extreme heel gimmicks like that pay off and he's the ultimate bad guy and then when the ultimate good guy beats him because in the 90s it did when in the attitude era it did and you could have a true a guy, a guy be a bad guy and that only exists on tv and that'd be the end of it it's a lot harder now if you're going to be right. a bad guy you need to be a bad guy for good reasons because if you clearly don't reflect those values in your real life then it's not as exciting as it could be. Makes sense. So I feel like in MMA, like <laughs> you're using your real name. You're basically you. Right. So to like go that far with the gimmick is probably not sustainable and I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, it's fun for the buildup of the fight, mm. but that kind of stays with you a little bit too much. It's one thing if you can put on a character and go, okay, I am no longer this character. Sure. Which I don't, but I don't think, like, like, I'm sure it's helped him a little bit, but I don't think Colby Covington is ever going to be able to go, ah, 
it was all a joke, friends. I'm I'm a good guy now. And then everyone would be like, oh, okay. True. We get it. And you, and you know, it's a perfect example of this, even though he, he never got a win, but he still stepped into the UFC cage as CM Punk. He didn't go in there as CM Punk. He went in there as Phil Brooks. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. And there's yes. a perfect example, right? And you got who yes. he is. And another, well, I, I guess to a certain extreme, Brock Lesnar too, but Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar no matter where he goes. He's just a rugged so, beast. Ch- Chael Sonnen, I think, did that masterfully. Yes. There's he an was writing that line always. He, okay. he made himself the heel a bunch of times. Yeah. But never in a way that did like such irreparable damage as being a Trump supporter would right. that it halted the rest of his career because he was always able to write that line where he was a heel when he needed to be to sell fights, but then can also be a complete person and not just a caricature of a right wing troll. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. Well, one thing's for sure. This is a stack card, like I said, and I believe this is the. Is this the first one from so-called Fight Island? Fight Island. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I think so. That is very exciting. That's a. You know, I think. Well, given the way things in the U.S. are going right now, right, might not be. But it's a shame they couldn't pull that up three months ago. Right, that would have been cool because of all the rumors going around, people are saying it's going to be Mortal Kombat, it's going to be like blood sport, like there's so many <laughs> things, and I'm like, I want to see the just the aesthetic of it, like you know what I mean, just to see how different it's going to look. I wish, I wish you had Dana White on looking from a like a a throne with an armor made from bones and a giant sword. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. All right, let's get into the dumbass of the week. Yep. Okay, so um, are you into like safaris? Do you like? Because uh, here in Toronto, we have African Lion Safari that's not too far away from us. And you could actually go and see the animals and all that stuff. Are, are you into that sort of stuff? Do you, Or do you just don't care? I like zoos. I like zoos oh. a lot. Oh, okay. So, don't. okay, I got to bring it up. Again, being a fellow person from Montreal, are you like Kevin Owens that just loves to go to zoos? I don't think, not as much as him. No, okay. I don't think so. But I do love a good zoo. <laughs> have you ever petted like an exotic animal? How about that? No, I have not. No, okay. Well, someone... Okay, this is crazy. So in, in Africa, in Tanzania, they have like... Seren, at the Serengeti National Park, they actually have where you go through and then you see lions and elephants and everything. Like, you know, obviously it's in Africa. You have everything there, right? Right. And of course, it's... Uh, I don't know if it's an American or a Canadian, so I'll just say North American, put it that way. So they were there, they were looking, and a lion so happened to pass by right beside, I guess, the safari car, Right. And I don't understand these people. Okay, first off, the safari is just crazy. They don't have bars or anything, and they have op- uh, like windows that could open so you could stick out your hands and shit with all these animals running around. To me, that's just nuts to begin with. So they were taking pictures and everything, and then, th- again, the window was wide open. And guess what these idiots decided to do? Reach on over and pet a lion, a full-grown male lion, as if it was like a, a, a domesticated house cat. Oh, no. Would you do something like that? Would you take the risk in trying to pet a lion? Like, <laughs> I have. I love animals. Yeah, I, right? same, same like here. Like I said, I love going to the zoo. I love watching videos. and I. But you, like... I also have an appreciation for how goddamn scary they are. Right? <laughs> when I grew up, we had six cats. Oh, there you go. Hey, I'm a cat person, too. An angry cat will destroy you. <laughs> yes. And it weighs 10 pounds. Right. Imagine that times a thousand. <laughs> I know. 
What are you what are you thinking? What does anyone think? Animals are scary. Wild animals will kill you without hesitating. Like hippoto- hippopotamuses. Right. Hippopotami. I don't know how to say it. Regardless. Yeah, oh yeah, the plural, whatever it is, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. They are adorable, right? Yeah. But they kill so many people. I know. Have you heard of a cassowary? Do you know what a cassowary is? What's this? No. So if you're listening to this, Google a cassowary. Okay. They're birds. Okay. I think they're probably around like three or four feet tall. Oh, wow. They're native to Australia. Okay. And they kill so many people. Shut up. By doing, like if you're familiar with martial arts, you know, in order to do a spinning back kick, which is like probably the most powerful single straight kick you can do. Sure, yeah. In my opinion. A human has to go and turn around, and the best it can do is touch you with a little, like, eh, bony piece of the foot, right? This bird has backwards knees. What? That it can just back it. Yeah, well, some some bird have that. Their knees. Oh, yeah. Okay, now, okay. It can just throw a back kick forward with a razor-sharp claw just straight at people. What? It's terrifying oh but yeah animals i love animals i think they're great i love watching them yeah. from a distance but <laughs> jesus are humans weak right like people don't understand. Oh and i think God. it's today's society it's people aren't like people don't it's the whole god complex it's or yes, it's so the whole i need to get it to put it on the gram like you know what i mean like i'll yes. do whatever like how many people and like in here in in uh, the uh, toronto area i don't know if you're familiar with scarborough we have the scarborough bluffs right and that's yes. like something that oversees like lake ontario and it's like above and there's a cliffs you know how many mm-hmm. people have fallen and died there for taking selfies oh and that God. they have to put up signs and barricades now because of it Right? How stupid are people? People are pretty dumb, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I would never try and pet a lion. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know what you're going to expect. Like, do you think they're going to start licking you or smile or like what do you think's going to happen other than them bite you? And even like I, I, you must know this. Cats nibble to show affection as well. You try and take a lion's nibble and see what happens. Even if they're accepting of you petting them. Like, you know what I mean? A nibble to them is like taking your head off, right? Right? I, I, I don't know. I think you have to be insane. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. I got one more thing I, I want to do with you before you plug all your shit and I'll let you go. Yep. You faced, a, again, like I said, a who's who. I've already named so many. I'm not going to touch on those again. But let's do a little name association. I'm going to throw out names that you've been in the ring with. You either could say something nice, something bad. I really don't care. It's up to you. One word, a sentence. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to say. Yep. All right. Let's go. Johnny Gargano. Um, love him smart good like his matches in NXT have been some of the best matches ever presented on TV right perfect Brody Lee Brody Lee oh god um, given what he's doing now that is so good it's a shame he didn't get the chance to do that before I know that's what I and I think that's everyone's consensus honestly but again being on the independent scene like you where everyone knew he was capable of this it's people who are just yes. in the WWE bubble that just didn't know right El Hijo del Fantasma which is now Santos Escobar yes um, I think he's one of those guys that's been great for a long time people just didn't really realize it he had a great run on Lucha Underground he was great in AAA. Yep. 
and like he's been very very good for a very very long time i'm glad people are realizing it now and he's getting what he deserves adam cole baby <laughs> adam cole um man like again it's it's he's the guy right right now what he's doing is what he's meant to do and that's a nice thing to see in wrestling and you've been in the ring with some legends as well chavo guerrero jr Ooh. So that was this song, right? I just went ooh out of excitement, and I didn't mean to do the ooh chapel thing. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Um, man, uh, still has it. Still great. Um, definitely a legend. Um, like he's gone, and he's represented Mexico all around the world. And I think what he's done, like what he's done with his career as a whole, is fantastic. Of course, Tajiri. Tajiri, another absolute legend. He's a uh, man. Like he's he's my goal in terms of how much pro wrestling knowledge I would like to accumulate over my whole career. Lastly, Pentagon. Jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, one guy who's really, really figured out how to have a consistently awesome match. The one thing I always hear from every wrestler, he's your best base that you could have as a performer in the ring. Right. It's amazing. All right. Now's your time to shine. Plug your shit. What you want to get out there, how yeah. people can find you, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm at Speedball Bailey on Twitter and Instagram. Those are the two main places to find me. I have a pro wrestling tea store where you can buy my shirt, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Speedball Mike Bailey. But the most important thing you can do is uh, go on YouTube, find some of my matches, just watch them, watch some other matches from the companies that present them, enjoy them, share them, and tell your friends you enjoy them. Share the links because that's how independent professional wrestling grows is by you enjoying it and then telling your friends you enjoy it and then go to a local show when you can. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter under Finga Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, support those sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All good? All good. One last question. I got to know. Yes. I don't want to say which is your favorite promotion you work for because that's not fair. How about which is the craziest fan base that you've performed in front of? Man, I... Like I said, the DDT fans, they pay attention. They care more than any... Like, more than anywhere else in the world. And it's, it's a joy to perform in front of them. Awesome. On that note, he's Speedball. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.